0: Well, good morning, fellowship family. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet
1: as we sing of the good news. God's love displayed towards us in no greater way than that of Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord. Amen. So sing along with me if you know it. Come all ye weary. Come all you weary. Come all you thirst, Come to the Oh, God. The foot of the cross, Jesus' way, God so loved the
2: world. Well, good morning, fellowship. Y'all going to have a seat. Hey, if you haven't heard the news, we have a new worship pastor at fellowship. This is Heath Gilbert. <laughs> But Pat hasn't left us. Pat is still on our staff working with Fellowship Worship, and so we're so glad that Gilberts are here. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning. Hey, uh, we are so glad that you are with us this morning. I've got Wendy Hall on the platform with me, and Wendy works in our family ministry, and I just want to say thank you. You guys do a fabulous job working with our children, And, and I don't know about you parents out there, but we need help, don't we? And our our family ministry exists to come alongside of you to help you pass on the faith to the next generation. So we're so glad that you're with us this morning, Wendy. If you're a guest today, this is your first time at fellowship or maybe your first time in a long time, we wanna connect with you. We wanna get to know you. I'll give you a really anonymous, easy way to do that. Just scan the QR code on the screen um, using your camera on your app. And it will take you to a website. You can fill out some information. We'll follow up with you. Or just come out in the foyer and meet us. We'd love to say hello and get some information on how to connect you to the church. Hey, Wendy, family ministry has a big thing coming up.
3: Yes, it's called Link Retreat. And this is coming October 22nd. It's for fourth and fifth graders and a parent to come to this. It's at New Life Ranch. And there's still spots left There's even an overnight option. So this is a chance for you to win as a parent. We all as parents wanna know, how can I win? This is it, sign up. You can connect spiritually and emotionally and make awesome memories with your child. You don't wanna miss it.
2: Yeah, it's a great opportunity. If you haven't ever slept over at New Life Ranch, it's a treat. (laughs) You need to give that a shot. I remember going on this retreat with my kids and we made some great memories there. Hey, I heard a rumor. Yes. I heard a rumor that even though we're emphasizing belong, grow, serve, with serve being the expectation that we would all carry the weight around here, we still have needs in the children's ministry. Is this true?
3: Yes, yes, yes. I need two males at the nine o'clock hour. Men. I want to serve. Men, our children need you. Yes, you are needed, you are wanted. And at 10.30, I need two couples that still would like to serve. Um, It is an incredible place to serve and you don't wanna miss out. So if God's calling you, we want to use you.
2: Yes, God is calling you.
3: There you go. That's
2: right. <laughs> By the very fact that you're at church and you're hearing this, God's calling two men at nine o'clock and two couples at 1030. I also talked to our early childhood director, Robin Yates, last week. We actually have some classrooms that are closed. Everybody boo? Closed. And so we need you to step up. There is no they. If you're waiting for they to take care of it, there is no they. We need you to step up. So the expectation, come an hour, serve an hour. And so we'd love for you to help us out in our children's ministry. We also have opportunities for you as adults to plug in. Hey, ladies, there is a retreat coming up for you. Uh, The porch retreat, that is next weekend. Are you going to the porch retreat?
3: I am, I'm already signed up. Can I come? There's still time to sign up. No, you cannot.
2: (laughs) I cannot come. Hey, ladies, great opportunity. It's decentralized for part of it out in in the community, and then we come back together to to wrap it up. Yeah, that'd be great. So if you want to sign up for that, you can. And then also, we're a church of small groups. And so um, we meet uh, off-site, scattered all across Northwest Arkansas in homes, and break rooms, and living rooms, and so we would love to have you join a small group. Uh, You can do so out at the uh, central booth in the foyer. We've got room for you, and we would love to have you join us there. And then, hey, I wanna call us this morning to an opportunity to both pray and be generous. I'm sure you heard about the hurricane down in Florida, and we are already on the ground They're partnering with a church and uh, there's an opportunity for you to give. So if you've been wanting to do something, if that's on your heart, our disaster relief fund is open and every dollar given to there goes directly to a a church in Florida that is helping those in need. And so trusted source, trusted church, um, great way to give there. And I thought it might be appropriate for us to pray uh, for them. And so Wendy, would you pray over Florida for us this morning?
3: Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this place where we get to gather. Lord, thank you um, for what you're doing here in this place and how you're using people to love on children. And God, um, it's just awesome to be a part of the body. And Lord, as a part of the body, I do wanna lift up Florida and those who have been affected by the hurricane. God, you know their needs. And uh, Lord, would you use that church that we're partnering with Um to come across people, to give them hope, and to give them peace. You do that, God. You do that in our lives, and I thank you for that. Lord, today, um, would you give us ears to hear you? Would you give us eyes to see you, and tender hearts towards what you want to teach us today? Lord, may you receive all glory, honor, and power. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: invite you to stand, back up, continue to turn our attention towards Jesus, His finished work. It's what brings us close, it's what unites us to Him, but it's also what unites us to one another in unity. So let's sing about this good news that we have in Jesus.
1: Upon a hill, a perfect Savior, upon that day, the perfect love The punishment That should have fallen on us Brings us peace Was upon him Upon him Upon his head The crown of thorns Upon his heart A broken world The wage of sin ALL THE WEIGHT OF OUR TRANSGRESSION WAS UPON HIM, UPON HIM. CHRIST HAS DIED, WE ARE FORGIVEN IN CHRIST ALIVE. WE ARE THE RISEN AND HE SHALL COME again. praise upon our hearts his name is written the king of kings the lord of lords pouring out our song of praise together upon him upon him and we sing that Christ has Forgiven in Christ alive. Now we are the risen and he shall. crazy
0: Praise forever to the kingdom. I'm going to invite you to sit as we take offering. We're going to sing a song, Great Are You, Lord, and it just uh, emphasizes the hope and the life um, and the peace that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. And aren't you glad that the power of the gospel is in the gospel itself? Amen. That you don't have to have all the fancy words, you don't have to know it all, that the power of the gospel is in the gospel, amen.
3: We will all sing with one voice. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation
4: will gather around the throne. Let's rehearse for that day. Let's sing this out. Oh.
0: Jesus, we have hope. We have life everlasting to the max. Life everlasting. Life. And we have perfect peace with you, Father, because of the finished work of Jesus. So, Father, I pray even now for those of us who might be wandering or doubting, those of us who might be running from the truth, Father, I pray that uh, you give even us who care about those peace even now, knowing that if you started a work in them, that you're faithful to finish it. Father, that if you've moved in and taken up residency, that you'll never leave, never forsake. that you'll always be coaching us, tutoring us, encouraging us into what is true about Jesus, about who Christ is, and who about about who we are in Him. So, Father, even now I just pray for peace for those who uh, are wondering, and those who are uh, dealing with situations like that. Father, we thank you that in You, in Christ Jesus, we have everything we need. We have every spiritual blessing. Father, we praise you and we thank you for this good news that you've given us to share to the world. Pray these things.
2: You know, there are certain things in life that are just meant to go together. You could call them powerful combos or one-two punches or dynamic duos. That together, they are stronger. They are, when paired together, complete. And, and without one another, when left alone, they're less effective or successful. So let's begin this morning with a dynamic duo pop quiz. I'm going to give you the first word, and then you fill in the blank on the second word, the corresponding partner. Let's start with an easy one. Peanut butter and, see, you guys are smart. You got this. How about this one? Bible trivia. Adam and, good, Cain and? R2-D2, no, that's not Bible. Let's jump movies. R2-D2 and, oh, did anybody say Luke Skywalker? You don't know your Star Wars. Frodo and Sam. Good, I heard it over here. Let's jump to the sports world. Brady and Gronk. Good, it took a while, didn't it? It Took a while. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Very good. Country music fans. Brooks and... We got that one, of course. Of course, our redneck came to church this morning. <laughs> Y'all knew that faster than the Bible. <laughs> Last one, bacon and everything. Bacon and everything. <laughs> hey, in the scriptures, there's a one-two punch. There's a dynamic duo, a powerful combo. There's two concepts that when partnered together, they actually enable the fulfillment of the purposes of God. And those two concepts are revelation and proclamation. Revelation, God's disclosure of himself and his will to his creation. There's general revelation like nature. And there's special revelation like the scriptures or the person of Christ through the incarnation. There's message from God. But then there's proclamation. That's when that message is announced. It's declared. It's made known publicly. That's the messenger. We've got message and messenger. Revelation and proclamation. How do they work together? Well, God reveals his will, his truth, his commands. Then those are shared, they're taught, they're proclaimed by his prophets, his people, and his church. God speaks. He reveals his plans, then that message is shared or proclaimed. Now, this idea of revelation and proclamation is a concept that is identifiable as a pattern throughout the scriptures. Let me show you some evidence just from the New Testament. Let's start with the birth of Christ. This happened with the shepherds. When they had seen him, that's revelation, they did what? Spread the word concerning what was said about him and all who heard it were amazed. That's proclamation. Jump into the calling of the disciples. It was Andrew who experienced the dynamic duo. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John the Baptist had said. And he followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was go find his brother Simon and then what? Tell him. You got revelation. He saw, he heard. Then you've got proclamation. He told about the Messiah the Christ jumped to the resurrection. He got the women at the tomb. The angel said to him to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen, as just as he said, Come see. They they brought them into the tomb, the place where he lay. And then the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to what? Tell. There's revelation. Then there's Proclamation, as you jump into the, the, the history of the early church, Acts chapter 4, we've got Peter and John. They said this, as for us, we cannot help speaking proclamation about what we've seen and heard, revelation. Even in the apostle Paul's life, later on in Acts, it's, it, this is said about him. Ananias said to Paul, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one, to hear the words from his mouth. You will be his witness, proclamation to all the people of what you've seen and heard, revelation. Do you see it? It's a pattern. We could pick it up in the Old Testament too. There's revelation and there's proclamation. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 3. We're working our way verse by verse through this New Testament epistle. In fact, we're in week 5 of a 12-week series this fall on this letter. And we're going to see these two concepts: revelation and proclamation, this dynamic duo clearly emerged from the text. In fact, look at this outline of today's passage. The passage will come to us, Ephesians 3, 1 to 13, in three movements. First, verses 1 to 6, Paul's revelation. The Lord revealed what he calls a mystery to the apostles. He unveiled his will to the apostle. Then in verses 7 to 9, we will see the assignment of the Lord, his commission of the apostle to proclaim that mystery, that revelation. And then in verses 10 to 13, the Lord's assignment to the church to carry the, the, the responsibility to proclaim the good news about Jesus to the world. So revelation and proclamation. Let's jump into our text Ephesians chapter 3, you can follow it along in your Ephesians guide or on the screen or in your Bible. Verse 1, it reads like this. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Stop right there. Chapter 3 begins with a personal description of the apostle and then an interruption. First the description, Paul described himself as a prisoner of Christ for the sake of of the Gentiles. Now he could have described himself in a number of different ways. He could have described himself as a missionary. He could have described himself as an evangelist. He could have described himself as a church planter or an apostle as he did in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1, but here he chose the description prisoner of Christ. And this is a literal description Paul was imprisoned in Rome when he wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus. That's why we call this a prison epistle. That word epistle just means letter. Paul called himself a prisoner of Christ. Technically, Paul was a prisoner of Rome and specifically of the Roman emperor Nero. But Paul did not see his situation in that way. He was a prisoner of Christ. Not only had Christ captured his heart, but He had been arrested and put in chains and was awaiting trial for his obedience to the Lord. You might think of him as a prisoner for Christ. He was confined as a result of his service to Christ. He was in chains because of Christ. And not only was he imprisoned for Christ, but also... For the sake of the Gentiles. He was suffering because of his ministry to the Gentiles. Paul was in prison for preaching the Messiah to a group of people who did not have a Jewish lineage or heritage. So this first part of the verse is a description of Paul. The prisoner of Christ for the sake of the Gentiles. But then there's an interruption. Verse 1 just stops unexpectedly. It reads, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, stop. That's the way it reads in the Greek. It's the way it's translated into English. No end to the sentence. It's a fragment. The thought just breaks off, and then a new thought begins. He says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, Surely you've heard, it's, it's almost like uh, Paul gets distracted by something, or he remembered something when he mentioned that word Gentiles, and then he followed that law, line of thinking. If you look down in your Bibles to verse 14, he's going to pick the thought back up. In fact, next week's passage begins the same way, for this reason. It's like he said, oh yeah, I'm back to here, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, and he's gonna go into a prayer. We'll teach that next week, but this week, we're gonna chase Paul's interrupted thought, his rabbit trail, if you will, that begins in verse two and runs through verse 13. Read verses two and three with me. He says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. Paul speaks of a mystery being revealed to him by God. That word mystery will be used two more times, a total of three times in today's passage. What does he mean by mystery? Well, a mystery is something that up until this point was unknown, but will be disclosed now by God. A sacred secret, if you will, hidden in ages past, but now revealed. Paul said, by the grace of God, he received a revelation about the will of God. The Lord downloaded some new content to Paul and by his grace, he revealed his plans to the apostle. And look at the last part of verse three. Paul says that he has already written about this briefly. In short fashion, Paul says, I've kind of already covered this mystery and this is true. Paul previously wrote about it. In fact, We looked at it just last week as we studied chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. John Barclay taught us about this mysterious revelation that had been given to Paul. Let's see if it sounds familiar. Move on to verses 4 to 6. He says, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight. He says, you should get this quickly because it's repeat." Material. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together in one body, and sharers together in the promise. Christ Jesus. Paul announced a mystery about the will of God, a mystery about Christ's redemptive work, a mystery revealed by the Holy Spirit to his holy prophets and apostles, of which Paul was one of them. Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus. Apostle is simply a a role of someone who has seen and been seen by Christ physically and then been sent him. You can read about that in Acts chapter 9. So what's this mystery that Paul has previously written about? What was he speaking about here? Well, verse 6 states it clearly, that through the gospel, through the good news of Jesus, his redemptive work on the cross, the Gentiles, everybody say, that's me, probably, probably, we don't have a huge Hebrew population in northwest Arkansas, so if you're the exception, I apologize. But for the most part, we're a Gentile audience. That through Christ's redemptive work, the Gentiles are included in God's redemptive plan. Jesus is not only the Messiah or the Savior for the nation of Israel, but for all nations. For whomever would turn from their sin and believe in him, they too are members of his body, sharers of the promise of Jesus. In Christ, like John taught us last week, the two have become one. We talked about it last week. God's redemptive plan began with the Hebrew people, the Israelites, the Jews. They are his chosen people. He promised to bless them, and through them, he would, they would be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. His work and his word came first to the Israelites. And then through Israel, the promised Messiah, the Savior, Jesus came to this world, not only to save the Jews, but all the peoples of the earth, Gentiles as well. This is the mystery. This is the sacred secret hidden in the past, now revealed to the apostle and through him to the world. Now, old news to us, right? But in the first century, This was huge news. This was a paradigm shift. This was so radical, so controversial that when the apostle first started to announce this revelation, when he first started to proclaim the good news to the Gentiles, when he announced that he was the apostle to the Gentiles, the Jewish religious establishment got so upset that they actually... uh, took him and beat him and arrested him and put him in a Roman prison cell. You can read that story in Acts 21, 22, and 23. Paul's revelation earned him incarceration. His calling put him in chains. His assignment earned him a stay in a Roman prison cell. This was radical stuff in the first century. But it wouldn't stop his suffering, his imprisonment, even the threat of death would not prevent him from fulfilling his calling. And we clearly see that in verse seven, moving through the text. Paul moves from his revelation about the Gentiles to describing his assignment of proclamation to the Gentiles. He said, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry, which was this mystery, which was for ages past, kept hidden in God who created all things. Not only was Paul's revelation by the grace of God, he considered his commission to be a minister of the gospel a gift of grace as well, from, from Paul's perspective, his whole life, his whole purpose, his whole calling was grace upon grace. An undeserved gift. The unmerited favor of God. What a unique view of Paul's current predicament. He's imprisoned for his service to the Lord. Yet he counted his life a gift of grace. I don't know about you, but if I was imprisoned... Or doing the very thing that the Lord had called me to do, I might tend to complain. Give a little woe is me. Or this is not fair. Or why are you letting this happen to me? Yet we see here that Paul had a very high view of the sovereignty of God. And a very humble view of himself. Look at verse 8. He said, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. Paul knew that he was the least likely candidate to be assigned to preach to the very people that he once persecuted. He clearly understood that this assignment from the Lord was not based on his qualifications or his skill or his resume, and it certainly wasn't based on his track record. Yet, he was commissioned by God to proclaim the boundless riches of Christ to the Gentiles and to everyone. Now for those of you who feel unworthy to be used by God or who struggle with feeling unqualified or inadequate or who feel like you lack the character necessary to represent the club, uh, represent the, the Lord, Paul would say, welcome to the club. He could identify with feelings of unworthiness. He could relate. He saw himself as less than the least of all the Lord's people. That word riches is a go-to in the book of Ephesians. We see it used in the book six times. Paul writes of the riches of God's grace, the riches of his mercy, the riches of his glorious inheritance, the riches of God's power. Paul truly believed that he was preaching the riches of Christ through his message. What a perspective. The apostle Paul considered it a privilege to proclaim the gospel of Jesus to an unbelieving world. He would go to any length. He would pay any cost. He would make any sacrifice necessary to fulfill his calling. He did not do it reluctantly or out of a a sense of, of duty. He considered it an honor to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And if that required suffering, then so be it. How about you? What's your pain threshold on it costing you something to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? What length would you go to obey the Lord to fulfill his calling in your life? Now you may be sitting here and you're thinking, this is kinda interesting. Good for Paul. He had revelation and he was assigned proclamation. That's great for him. I love these Bible history lessons, kind of. You might even be tempted to start thinking about brunch. Good for Paul. Let's get some chicken. Not so fast, my friend. You see, this isn't just a history lesson because we've got verse 10. Verse 10 is coming. And Paul is going to move on from talking about himself and his calling to bringing you and me into the picture. You and me into the calling, into the mission. Look at verse 10. This verse should startle you and disturb you. It might even disrupt your comfortable life. It might even require you as a male to serve at nine o'clock with children. (laughs) You wimps. Verse 10. His intent was that now, 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 through the church, everyone say that's me, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Now, through the church, that's you, that's me, through the church, the community of believers led by the Spirit, we are called, we are purposed to make the manifold wisdom of God known in this world. We are the proclaimers of the good news of Jesus. By his grace, we, less than the least of all the Lord's people, have the honor and the privilege to share about our crucified Savior and our resurrected King. The baton has been passed to us. Now, in the church world, we call this task of proclaiming the good news of Jesus evangelism. A church that shares and preaches the gospel of Jesus and gives an opportunity for belief and conversion is called an evangelistic church Fellowship Rogers is an evangelistic church. We gladly, and we count it a privilege to take on the responsibility for the evangelization of our city and our world. You know, it's interesting. The passage says that as we make Jesus known, we have an indirect audience. As we proclaim the gospel to the world around us, we're also making it known to the cosmic powers above us. To the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. We have a secondary audience in the heavens, the angels. They are watching the affairs of the earth unfold in real time. Did you know that angels are not omniscient? They are not all knowing. They have limitations in their knowledge of what is happening in this world, and they do not have foreknowledge of the future. God's not revealed his plan to them fully. He's making it known to them in real time through the church. So the mystery of God's plans are being revealed to them as they are happening here on earth. They are audience to the kingdom movement unfolding before them as though a great drama were being enacted. One of my favorite Bible commentators, John Stott, said it this way, that the history of the Christian church becomes a graduate school for angels. And with this angelic audience, the gospel, the very revelation of God has gone full circle from heaven to earth, Apostle Paul. From the Apostle Paul around the earth, church. And from the church around the earth, back to the heavenly realms. Look at the last verse of our passage for the day. Paul returned to his specific Situation. He bookends the passage with suffering. He's a prisoner of Christ. He's suffering for the gospel and adversity. He says, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Paul said, don't worry about my chains. Don't worry about my imprisonment or my sufferings. They are for your benefit and they are my honor. And that should be our perspective about the assignment of gospel proclamation and any cost that comes with it, the baton has been passed to you. And what a privilege, what an honor it is to carry the gospel message of Jesus to a world that is in desperate need of hope. You can remember it this way, that what has been revealed to us should be proclaimed through us. It rhymes. What has been revealed to us should be proclaimed Through us, the gospel we've heard and believed is the gospel we should share and preach. Our revelation should become our proclamation. What we've seen and heard, we should share with others. As the angel said to the women at the tomb, come see, go tell. So when's the last time you shared the gospel of Jesus with someone that the Lord has brought across your path? When's the last time that you played the role of evangelists? Or is that just an assignment for those who are called to full-time ministry? For those who've been trained by a seminary? I don't know about you, but I think evangelism can be quite intimidating. Some of us in the room feel like we lack the skill or we don't know what we should say or we don't have enough Bible verses memorized can you identify maybe you still carry guilt and shame from your own sin struggle or you don't want to come off as a zealot in a world whose highest value is tolerance you don't want to end up in HR you don't want to be called out on the neighborhood POA Facebook page the Hannans are knocking on doors again but at the same time, it's our calling. We can't avoid it. We've been called to bear witness to the grace that God has shown to us. And if we don't proclaim Jesus, then who will? If you don't proclaim Jesus, then who will? Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14 capture the tension perfectly. It says in verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is that good news? Yeah, if you're here today, you decided to come to church. Maybe you're back for the first time for a long time since your childhood, back for the first time since COVID, or you're just trying something because you know you desperately need help. Hear those words. If you'll call on the name of the Lord, Turn from your sin and self and believe in the one who sent, who died on the cross and was resurrected for your redemption, your forgiveness. You will be saved. It's great news. But then here's the tension. How can they call on one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? Revelation. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Proclamation. If not us, then who? If not you, then who? I wanna close with some practical tips on sharing your faith. I don't wanna just leave you with a burden. I wanna give you some tools to do something about it. I wanna give you five things to consider when it comes to evangelism. First one is accept responsibility for gospel proclamation. I feel like that's been my job this morning is to take the baton from Paul and pass it to you. So will you take responsibility for sharing the good news of Jesus with those around you, where you live, work, and play? Will you actually consider it your job to share Jesus in this city? You know, one of our distinguishing marks as Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas is that we strongly believe in the priesthood of every believer. One of our goals is to close the gap between the clergy and the laity because we believe that all, you and me, are called to be his ambassadors, to be his witnesses in this world. That we're all called to share truth and love and minister to our neighbors. And we believe that every follower of Christ is called to do the work of the ministry. Our mission statement says we exist to produce and release what? Spiritual Leaders who know and express the authentic Christ. Second thing, who's on your heart for heaven? Lift your eyes up and look around your world, your family, your neighborhood, your workplace, the places where you serve in the community and the places where you play in the community. Can you think of someone that the Lord has brought across your path who is very far from him? who desperately needs him, who their eternity is undetermined, their life is void of God's love and truth and purpose. As Ephesians 2 described them, they're living without hope and without God in this world. The Lord has brought the nation and the nations to Northwest Arkansas, and we've got empty seats to serve them. What an opportunity before us. Why do you think the Lord brought them into your life. I want you to think of a few names because at the end of the service, we're actually going to pray for those names. Third step is be prepared. I think one of the reasons we don't share our faith is because we don't know how. We don't know how to proclaim the gospel. We don't have a few key verses memorized and ready to go. We don't have good evangelistic questions. We don't have go-to resources that we could share with them. Well, the good news is we're an equipping church, and we'd love to help you with that. There will be no greater joy in one of our pastor's lives or your community group shepherd's life than if you called them and said, would you help me learn how to share my faith? ho! ho, I'm buying. I'm buying. Let's sit down and talk. Fourth engage intentionally. This is doing evangelism. It's helping someone take one step closer to Jesus. You know, a lot of times we think of evangelism as a one and done process where we move somebody in one appointment from unbelief to belief through sharing the gospel with them. But I think um, in today's world, it's much more complicated than that. I think it's much more of a process. In Springdale last year, we had a tornado and everybody wanted to help fast. The problem was that nobody could get there because all of the roads were covered with telephone poles and pieces of houses and and cars spun around. There was just streets full of debris. And so step one were for people to go in and just smooth out rough passes and remove big obstacles so that the help could get in there. Sometimes evangelism is just loving, listening, caring, and serving some so that you can show them that they're lovable and that they matter to God. Then you can get down to the process of sitting down and sharing truth or texting a verse or sharing a book or buying a Bible. Evangelism can be as simple as inviting someone to your community group to experience uh, that Christian community or inviting them to church and of course, sharing the gospel. Step five, follow up with no strings attached. Whether they receive Christ or not, they're still worthy of loving, listening, caring, and serving, right? And I want us to close our time in prayer. Would you pray with me? I want you to ask the Spirit of God to bring to your mind one or two or three names, maybe a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, who is far from God, but they've got a Christ follower in their life and you. And let's just lift them up to the Lord that he would do his work in their life. Would you pray with me? Lift those names up to the Lord one by one. Ask him to draw them near to himself. Ask him to create a a holy restlessness in their hearts that hungers for truth. Ask him to give you the wisdom and how to proceed and loving them with the gospel. But Lord, it's our prayer that you would populate heaven with people who are far from you. And I pray that you would use us to do so. Oh, we love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Shame, you draw me with love and kindness. Wash whiter than snow, you have relieved and made me whole. Would you stand and sing that again? Grace, grace, you show me grace, you lifted my shame, you draw me with love and Whiter than snow You have redeemed in me we right
0: and gather together with you. If you need prayer this morning, if you want prayer this morning, there's a prayer room over here. The Thompsons are there to pray with you. Uh, Anyway, go love somebody that makes them curious about the hope you have in Jesus. Amen? You're dismissed.